We're going to take a look in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, and today I'm going to read to you from the message translation, just because I like the way that it worded it. And we're going to be uh, talking about a man named Saul who was made king, and he was told to go and to defeat the Amalekites, and the word of God told him to go to Amalek and destroy everything that was in sight, but yet there was something that we'll find out in just a moment where he held back. He kept just a little bit, and it became a problem. So a man by the name of Samuel had to enter into the scene and question him or challenge his thinking about whether he's fully obeyed or not. My, my, my goal, hopefully today, for you and for me, is to make sure that we've taken the time to say, God, where in my life are you calling me to full obedience that maybe I haven't completely given up to you yet? Would you show that to me? Or maybe he's been showing it to you, but, but you've been holding a little back. Or, or, or maybe it's this, and, and I do this, uh, I try to do this every year. I'm not one for resolutions, okay? Uh, the New Year's resolution, because I found out if I make a New Year's resolution, there's almost 100% chance I'm not going to do it. And so I just sit down and I, 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 I make goals. Uh, and, and I just get some quiet time with the Lord. And I say, Lord, what this season of my life, this new year, what are some goals that I need to focus on? Maybe some new ones that you have for me. Maybe, maybe some things I need to let go of. Maybe, like I said earlier, some things that I'm not even aware of. Would you show me what those are? I try to, at least a couple times a year, sit down and do that. And I don't just sit down and, and pray about it or talk to God about it, and we have a nice little conversation, and I say, well, that was pretty neat. God, thank you, and I go on my way and continue to do what I do because that would be performance. But obedience is when I sit down and I say, God, um, what do you have for me? And then I write it down. Am I perfect at it? No. Is it a work in progress? Absolutely. I could show you right now, I'm not going to, but I could show you the things that God spoke to me because I made little notes on what he said, Jim, you need to work on this. Jim, you need to work on this. Jim, you can let that go. And, and, and they're not always popular things. They're not always fun things. But at the end of it all, God wants to know, Will you walk in obedience to that? Because here's what I found. I found that God is not about telling you what to do and what not to do because he has nothing else to do. God is telling us what it is that we need to do and not to do because he created us and he knows how we function at our, our optimal, the, the best, 100%. And so he'll speak to us and tell us when we need to let go of things. Here we have a man who was told to go and he was told to defeat the Amalekites, but yet he didn't completely embrace the whole truth of what was spoken. He kind of came up with his version of it, which brings up an important topic. In this world today, we have a lot of different kinds of truth, don't we? Now think about it. There's the absolute truth, which is the truth that's, that's absolutely true. It comes from the Word of God. But then there's times when I've had conversations with people and they said, well, I don't know if I completely agree, agree with your truth, but I agree in my truth. And so what they're ultimately saying is this. They're saying, uh, what's true for me is true for me, and what's true for you is true for you. Can't we all just get along? And the answer at the end of time, when we stand before Jesus, is there is only one truth. There is only one way. The Word of God is very clear. Jesus is the way the what? Truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. Uh, 
this man Samuel was called to go and to not necessarily demolish everything because God is so angry, but yet God said, how many of you know that when you obey, blessings come, right? In Deuteronomy, it tells us that, that when you obey, blessings come. When you disobey, consequences come. And here was a group of people that were disobedient. And so there was um, the re- consequences that came of that. And Saul was instructed to go and strike the Amalekites to destroy them. He was to kill everything that moved. Man, woman, child, animal, nothing was to be left. And I know a lot of times when we read scripture like this, people start saying, I don't know if I can believe in that kind of a God. I, why would he want to take everybody out? Isn't he a loving God? Yes, he's a loving God, but this isn't about God taking people out because he's angry. This is about consequences of people's actions that they brought upon themselves because they chose to not fully obey. So it's not necessarily about getting the picture that God is so angry. It's, it's more about people who have disobeyed. And we see very quickly that Samuel is, is used by God when Saul decides not to fully obey, to come in and to bring some correction into their life. And 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 3 is when he instructed him and he said, here's what you were to do. He's speaking to Saul. You were to go to, uh, you were to, go to war against Amalek. No exceptions. This is to be total destruction. Men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys, the works. And then we find out in, down in verse 9, it says, Saul and the army made an exception for Agag, which was the king, and for the choice sheep and cattle. They didn't include them under the terms of the holy ban. The holy ban just means the orders that were given, the word that God had told them what to do. Have you ever, uh, you know, have you always fully obeyed 100% all the time in your life? Well, no, none of us have. There's times when we've been told what to do and we do it, but sometimes we hold a little bit back. Saul here has held back. He was told to go destroy everything and he held back. He spared the king. And he spared some of the choicest of the animals. And before we're too quick to judge Saul, how many times have we decided to do something, but yet we sometimes want to hold the best back? Let, 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 let me give you an example. How many of you like the tie I'm wearing today? You all right with it? Yeah? You know, I, you, you're, you're going to be nice, I know, because I'm asking in a public setting. But my wife is not a fan of this tie. Did you know that? Yeah. I put this tie on today, and I actually made it to the car. No, we made it to the church before she said something. I thought, she's going to see this tie, and she's going to be like, oh, no, you're not wearing that tie, are you? You know, but I made it to the car, and I'm like, yes. We made it to the church parking lot. Yes, yes. Made it into the church. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And she looked at me, and she goes, oh, you're wearing that tie again. What's the big deal about the tie? How many of you have ever decided, or maybe as a couple, I don't know, somebody told you to go clean something out, okay, like your closet? And they said, once you go clean the closet out, there's so much in there. Or maybe you agreed together as a couple, you're going to go clean the closet out and you're going to get rid of the stuff. You're going to minimalize, right? You're going to get rid of the things that you don't wear. You're going to get rid of the things that don't fit. And one of the first things that happens or many times is when you know you're going to go get rid of something, you immediately think of the thing that's in there that you don't want to get rid of. And so you go grab it and you hide it like I did my tie. (laughs) She's like, let's go upstairs. And I'm like, hold on, let me go pave the way for you. You know, I said something very kind. What I was doing was panicking. I'm like, she's going to get rid of that tie. So I grabbed the tie. I hid the tie. This is one of my, this tie has been around since about 1993, okay? 
And uh, I know you could say it goes out of style, but I like to think that maybe I bring it back in style. I don't know. Maybe I'm just fooling myself. But one day I got paint on it. Right? I mean, not just like a little paint. I mean, like a paintbrush whoosh, right across it. And I don't know why that happens, happened because I'm not really into painting, but um, it's just dawning on me, though, that maybe somebody put the paint on my tie. <laughs> i got to revisit this thought here a minute. Next week will be forgiveness. The week after, no. But I have paint on this tie. And she's like, oh, bummer. We probably need to get rid of the tie. I think it was you, wasn't it? <laughs> she was like heartbroken. You know, the tie's just going to have to go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is my favorite tie. I like this tie. And so I worked on it and worked on it. And I got all the paint out. And it looks great. I actually, I think I took it to a cleaner's maybe or something. I paid more money to probably clean the tie than I did to actually buy the tie because I love this tie. And as silly as that is, you guys have probably been guilty of the same thing. You go to your closet, and I'm just what-ifing. I know nothing, but you may go to your closet and say, I'm going to minimalize. I'm going to get rid of some things. But the thing you don't get rid of is, well, these clothes, we can't get rid of these because I'll fit in those in six months. We can't get rid of these clothes because next winter I'll need those, so we'll put them up there. We can't get rid of these clothes because, and you just fill in the blank, and you start talking about how they're your favorite clothes, and, and, and you start holding on to something. Now, if that is you, and you have done that, I am by no means comparing you to Saul in the Bible here. I'm just trying to shine a light on the fact that sometimes we can have great intentions, but following through... Can, can be difficult. Okay, we talked about a tie, we talked about some clothes, but what about when it comes to relationships or job or ethical decisions you have to make or integrous moments that you got to make a decision in? Are you going to completely and full, fully obey God? Or are you just going to try to give like this image of, I, I, I'm doing it, but secretly you got a tie hidden in the closet somewhere. You know what I'm talking about? So, Immediately after service, I will be taking this tie off and hiding it once again. <laughs> Saul kept the best. He kept the best. And not only was he disobedient, but he tried to justify what, what, what the best of the best was, why he was keeping it. In verses 20 to 21, it says, Saul defended himself when he was called on the carpet. What are you talking about? He said, I did obey God. I did the job God sent for me. Uh, I brought in King Agag and destroyed the Amalekites under the terms of the Holy Band. So the soldiers, they saved back a few choice sheep and cattle from the Holy Band for the sacrifice to God at Gilgal. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Well, the thing is, is the Holy Band said to get rid of everything, and he did not. He held back. So there's a problem here which is when Samuel enters the scene. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Samuel and said, I regret, this is right out of the Bible, I regret that I've made Saul king, for he turned his back from following me and has not carried out my commands. I read that and I think to myself, oh, I want to be obedient. And I know there's times where I don't want to be obedient, but what I don't want to hear is have, have God saying he had any regrets about me. And the way that I can avoid that is through complete and utter obedience. God actually regretted making him king. So do you think the Lord didn't see this coming? Do you think, think he went, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have made him king. Man, I did not see that coming. 
That took me by surprise. No, God knew exactly what was going on. God knew exactly what was going on in Saul's heart, but Saul didn't know what was going on in Saul's heart. It wasn't until a Samuel showed up and challenged his thinking. Now, I don't know about you, but when you get people that challenge your thinking, usually your first thought is, is not welcoming, right? You know, when somebody challenges you, but I found that when people challenge my thinking over time, I found, I had to learn this, that when people that I love, people that love Jesus challenge my thinking, I, I typically become better because of it. Now, in the moment, I might get mad. In the moment, I might not like it. In the moment, it might not feel right. But then when I take that before the Lord and I process that, usually I become better because of that. Saul said, well, I kept the best of the best for the Lord. But did you notice how he starts, when you read through the scripture, you notice he starts changing his vocabulary. Saul is talking to Samuel and he says, listen, I, I, I didn't disobey, but I just kept back some of the best of the best for the Lord, your God. Uh, now it's no longer his God. Now he says, it's your God. No longer is it his God, but your God. And I thought, my, how quickly we can turn, can't we? From a, a heart that's wanting to perform. You know, he says he wants to obey, but really he wanted what he wanted. It, the only time that you find yourself defending yourself to somebody, typically, typically, is when you have something to hide. People get defensive. Saul was not very obedient. As a matter of fact, he was more concerned about performance than, than obeying the Lord. And here's what performance is. Performance is when you act one way in front of a set of people, but your heart does not truly match with your actions. That's when you're performing. It, it, you're far from your heart. You tend to perform one way in front of one group, and then you tend to perform one way in front of a another group, and when you do this, it's just performance. Now, that's okay when it's television, but it's not okay when it's in relationship. We see people act different ways. That's why we call them actors, actresses. But in relationship, it's not going to do. When Samuel comes and confronts Saul, Saul is happy to see him until he challenges him. I remember being a kid and you know, I remember going in the house. This probably happened more times than I'd like to admit, but I'd walk in and I'd be fine and I'd see mom and dad and I'd say, hey, mom, hey, dad. But all of a sudden I saw their face and I thought, uh-oh, something's wrong. I know it's me. I don't know what I did, but I know something's about to happen here. And in my mind, I'm like, what did I do that, you know, <laughs> and there was plenty of things I did. It's just which ones might they have found out? You know, I can tell by their face, something's wrong. I, something's happening here. And so when Samuel shows up on the scene, Saul says, hey, Samuel. And Samuel says, come here. And Saul says, uh, I don't know if I want to, <laughs> right? He knows that something is going on. And Samuel confronts him and says, why didn't you fully obey the Lord? And he said, I did. Samuel's response, then what is the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? The lowing of the cattle. In other words, he says, if you fully obey God, I shouldn't hear sheep making noise and I shouldn't hear a cow mooing over here. I should hear nothing. He didn't fully obey God. And it got me thinking, have we ever had areas in our life where we've not fully obeyed? Again, when we're sitting in the presence of the Lord saying, Lord, what would you have for me? What are some goals? What are the things that I need to work on? And the question will come up or... It, Maybe God will point out at times, 
that there's some things that need to be removed from our life. Have you ever heard the bleeding of the sheep in your life? Let me put it that way. Maybe it was forgiveness that you were to extend. And though you said the words, you performed and said you forgave them, but your heart was still holding them in captivity, then you're not truly free. Maybe it was your tithe that God said to give, and you said, well, I gave in the offering plate, but it was your heart was far from it. You performed, but you didn't fully obey. Maybe it was on the job, and you still did the job. You performed, but, but it wasn't to the best of your ability. Maybe it was in your marriage. You admitted to a fault. You, you performed, but you did nothing to change your action or your behavior. Now, I'm just giving examples. I, I, I'm not I don't know anything about you, so if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, that just means there's something he wants to show you so you can be free indeed. There's so many times that that line can get blurred between the performance and between what it means to fully and completely obey. Saul had good intentions, but that's all they were. We've heard it said before, the road to hell is what? Paved with good intentions. It is. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, do you think... All God wants is sacrifices, empty rituals just for show. He wants you to listen to him, plain and simple. Obedience. Our obedience is what he desires. We can find a place in the New Testament as well, by the way. Let me jump over to John chapter 12, and I'm going to read to you just, just a portion to show you even in the New Testament where there's a challenge where, where people sometimes feel intimidated whether to fully obey or step out into what God is calling them to do. And it's with the Pharisees, and it says in John chapter 12, verse 42, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't come out into the open with it. They were afraid of getting kicked out of the meeting place. When push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. Jesus is speaking to a group of people who did not fully obey, and instead they performed. The question I had was, why is it that we can get fired up for God, we can get excited, we can get passionate for God, but yet then we find ourselves not fully following through or, or, or not doing something with it? I want to do this. I want to give you just three areas, observations of why we sometimes hold back, and then I'm just going to give you a few observations of what the Word of God says that we can do about that. So you and I are living from, like I talked about last week, the sweet spot. When it comes to obedience... That's just simply what God wants. So what stops us from fully obeying? Number one is fear. Sometimes we become afraid. Fear sets in there. We use the uh, uh, analogy or the acronym F-E-A-R. What is fear? False evidence appearing real. That's what it is. The enemy will use that every time to get you to not fully obey God. He'll get all up in your head and he'll try to get into your heart and mess with that. And many times we can get fired up for God but not do something. Even the Pharisees here said, but because of the Pharisees, uh, they, they, they were afraid. They were fearful. Fear, it's a real thing. I mean, have you ever been afraid, anyone? Well, sure. You know, we've all been afraid at times. I remember my moment of fear experiencing it was when I was a young kid, about 13 years old, and I went to a movie called The Twilight Zone. How many of you remember Twilight Zone, the TV series? Remember that? Okay. How many of you, uh, Twilight Zone, the movie? Okay, it came out, I think, in the 80s or something. I was 13 years old. I was not old enough to go to the movies. I was not allowed to go to the movies. But I had to confess to my parents in first service. <laughs> I went to the movie. And I went with my friend. And I thought, this will be cool. I'm breaking the rules. And, and you know, just it probably was just my little petty form of rebellion or something. And 
problem was is I went into the movie theater when the sun was shining. I watched Twilight Zone the movie in the dark. And when I came out, it was now dark outside, and I had to walk 20 blocks home, roughly. How many of you know that after you watch a movie like that, there's a boogeyman around every corner, right? And, and that fear was there. Man, man, them Sunday school songs were kicking up in my heart. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels on the floor. Yeah, I'm doing everything to try to keep my heart focused on that because I was afraid. Fear got in there. Now, I'm not talking about... Uh, 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 the enemy will use fear whenever he can, however he can, to stop you from fully obeying God. He doesn't care what it looks like, uh, what avenue he has to take, but he will do whatever he can because fear paralyzes you. Napoleon I said, he who fears being conquered is sure of defeat. Dale Carnegie said, you can conquer almost any fear if you will only make up your mind to do so. For remember, fear doesn't exist anywhere except in the mind. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, we all know this one. The only thing we have to fear, yeah, is fear itself. But I'll tell you one thing. That night when I was walking home, those 20 blocks in the dark, I didn't care what Napoleon had to say. I didn't care what Dale had to say. And I didn't care what FDR had to say. That fear was real. And sometimes the enemy tries to get in there to just paralyze you from moving forward. Um, fear Though it can be real, we've got to understand Jesus tells us that when we're obedient to him, we don't have to worry about those things. We don't have to be afraid. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33 says, First, pay attention to me, and then relax. It says, Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. I like the way the message put that. If you will first pay attention to me, obey. If you will obey me, then you'll be able to relax because you'll be in my hands. Uh, those Pharisees I was talking about that said they, they, they were afraid of men, they had a fear. And, and many times, we, we, don't want, uh, we, we don't want to do what it is that God has called us to do because fear gets in there and starts to paralyze us. Fear can come through different ways. I, I listed three little bullets. There can be fear of man. We can be afraid of you know, um, others. What, 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 what if I tell them about Jesus? What if I ask them to church? What if I tell them I'm not going to partake in that? What if I'm not going to... I don't want to be looked at as the funny guy. There can be fear of self. It's another one. We can harbor this fear deep inside and, and, and limit ourselves. And there can also be a fear of failure. Uh, what if I do what God tells me to do and it doesn't turn out the way I think it should? What if I fail? What if I fall down? Well, one of the things I've, I've learned is um, if, if you never take the chance to step out in obedience... There's 100% chance you're going to fail. But if you will try, though you may fall down, you can get back up. I use the analogy all the time of teaching my kids to ride a bike. If I get them on the bike and I get behind and I'm holding the bike, you got it, you got it, and I let go, and they make it 20 feet and fall down. I don't go over and pick up their bike and throw it in the dumpster and say, you loser, you're always going to be a failure. What do I do? Well, a good parent says, get back up, it's okay, it's all right, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Don't be afraid of failure because it's one of the things that tries to grip us and paralyze us. It's only when you and I are completely obedient to him that we see the talents, the, the, the true fruit of the Spirit come forth in our life, that fruit in our lives and in our marriages and in our children and so on. So 
One of the things that holds us back is fear. The second thing is we worry about our reputation. It holds us back. We can get fired up for God, but our, we, we get afraid uh, of our reputation. In John chapter 12, it said they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. They were afraid of being rejected. Nobody likes rejection, do they? I can't think of one person that uh, enjoys it. Anybody that wants to be rejected. But as long as we look through the eyes of self, we're not going to get where God wants us to be. And if we become afraid of our reputation, if we become afraid of being rejected, it can hold us back. Um, let, let me share something with you that I call kind of the we filter, you know. Um, too many times we get more concerned about the we, how it's going to affect us, what, what God is telling us. And we filter everything through the eyes of self rather than just through the eyes of God. And as long as we look through the eyes of self, we're, gonna, we're not going to get where God wants us to be. Uh, the truth is, is obe obedience starts with us. When God speaks, it starts with us. That could mean when God tells you to invite a person to church, let's say. He's got a plan, but we filter it through our we filter. You know, sometimes we miss that. You know, the Lord places it on your heart. Why don't you ask so-and-so at work to come to church with you next week? And one of the first things we do is we go, well, I don't know about that because what if I ask him and he laughs at me? What if I ask him and he says, I'm not going to church. What if I ask him and he says, you know, fill in the blank. What if he tells the other coworkers and we filter it through that we filter, how it affects my surrounding? Do we forget the fact that maybe God has a plan and knows what's going on in the lives of others and he's looking to reach those other people through you and through me? Let me tell you something. Sometimes we become afraid that, well, what if, I, what if I obey the Lord and people look at me like I'm weird or something? Well, let me just clear the air. We're all weird, okay? To some degree, to some point or another. So that shouldn't even be uh, the factor. What happens is we become afraid of being rejected. Um, I put in that bullet in your outline. We can become limited because of our fear of rejection. That fear, that reputation we worry about, it, it stymies us from, or it can, from fully obeying God because we fear rejection. Um, I found these goofy signs on the internet going through the first one up. This is a sign that was actually made. Touching wires causes instant death, $200 fine. How are you going to pay that fine if you're dead? Here's another sign. Please don't throw your cigarette ends on the floor. The cockroaches are getting cancer. Really? Okay, here's another one. I don't even need to say anything to that, uh, nor do I to the next one. Throw that one up there. Somebody needs to go back to grammar school. Uh, mistakes happen. Here's the last one, kind of funny. Soft shoulders, blind curves, steep grade, big trucks, good luck. <laughs> I don't know how I'd feel if I saw that sign. Let me tell you another sign that seems goofy is, is if I went out and I said, uh, church, we're going to sign up uh, for rejection. How many people want to sign up to be rejected? Well, nobody's going to sign that. Because nobody likes that. Nobody wants to be a part of that. And sometimes that's exactly what, what uh, stymies us from fully obeying God. We're afraid we're going to be rejected. We're, we, we let that fear. Nobody wants that in their life. Whether you're the first grader that gets excluded from your other friends or the teenager who gets ostracized by their peers or the an employee that is needled by the other co-workers or the elderly who gets snickered at. Rejection feels horrible, and that's why we tend to avoid it at all costs, even at the cost of obeying sometimes. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, 
Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. God is looking for those that are less concerned with performance and more concerned with obedience. But another reason we hold back is uh, because many, too many times we're seeking immediate approval. Sometimes we get fired up for God, don't follow through because we're afraid. Sometimes it's because we're uh, concerned about being rejected, but it's also because we, we want what we want now. Well, what's in it for me? That's the mentality. What do I get out of this? Lord, if I obey you, what do I get out of it? First of all, I'll tell you what, the Bible has a lot to say about the, the blessings that come, the long life that comes when you honor God. But what we're doing is saying, but how does that benefit me here and now? Um, we can become very frustrated, can't we, when we go to McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, a fast food restaurant, all right? And you have to sit in that line for 15 or 20 minutes. How do you feel? You're like sitting there going, fast food, my ankle. Come on. We start getting hangry and all that because we want what we want, and we want it now. We can become impatient. We can become rude, demanding, you know, things in our life. And what we really want when it comes to the overall picture in life is we want acceptance. We want to be accepted. And we got to make sure that we don't miss God in all of this. If we're talking about completely, you know, living a life of obedience, Fear, um, rejection, uh, immediate gratification, those are the things that hold us back. So what does the Word of God have to say about what we can do? What are we supposed to do when God calls us to do something, tells us to do something? Maybe He's working on your heart, even right now. And, and, and there's times in my life, I'll, I'll use me as an example, where the Lord showed up and He said, Jim, I think it's time we kick it up a notch. And I'm like, what do you mean? I think it's time that we just, you, you need to work on a little bit more spiritual maturity. I'm like, oh, are you calling me immature? That's the first thing I want to do. Oh, he didn't say that. He said, no, I've just got more for you. Well, God, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? And he said, oh, that, that, that's, that's a journey. Let's go on that journey. Are we going to be willing to obey God fully to go on with that so that we can experience the best that God has for us? What, is, what does God have to say when it comes to choosing between performance and obedience. The first thing is this. Write down, fear God. Now, you might say right off the bat, hold on, Pastor, you just told me that one of the reasons I can be limited in my obedience is because of fear. Now you're telling me that's the one thing I need to do. Well, let me clarify this. We are not to live in fear, like Twilight Zone, Freddy Krueger, Halloween type of movie fear. We don't live in that fear, but the fear that we are to live in is the fear of God. And the fear of God is not scary. There's a big difference between the two. God is not saying, don't fear at all. As a matter of fact, he tells us fear is actually a good thing if you have the right kind of fear. Let me read a couple verses to you. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Here it is. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that when we fear the Lord and understand that it's not this boogeyman type of fear that he's talking about, it says that there's an understanding and a divine intervention that takes place. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says, the fear of God expands your life. A wicked life is a puny life. Now, we have to learn 
uh, or what we have to learn is what it means to fear the Lord in the right way. Fearing the Lord in the right way means to have respect. It means to stand in awe of the Lord. So when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, you could put it this way. Uh, being in the presence of an almighty God, honoring him, standing in awe of how powerful and magnificent he is, that's the beginning of knowledge. When you start to fear God in a right way. Um, we all understand what it means to respect electricity, right? Because what happens is the moment we lose respect for electricity, you'll know it. We all understand what it means to respect the power of a weather system when a tornado kicks on and comes through the town. What do we do? Everyone heads for cover because they understand and they have a fear for the respect of the power of this storm. But then you got a few kind of weirdos like me that like to go on the front lawn and look for it, right? But the moment you don't respect the magnificent power that's there, it, 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 will, it will get you. I, I was working for RJS Electronics. It was just, I, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's around anymore, but uh, for a season I would install um, fire alarm systems, uh, you know, security cameras and all that. So my job was to run wires, connect things, and do some of that work. And I was at a place where it was a PA system, and I had to, I had to connect two wires together. And I was standing on a ladder up in a ceiling. So half of my body was down in the office. The other half was up with all the insulation and, you know, everything that was going on. And I had these two wires, and I had spliced both the wires. I had stripped both ends of the wire. I had instructed people, please don't use the PA system until I tell you because i got to do some work on it. What I should have done was unplugged the whole system or powered it down. But I thought, no, I got this. And so I, I, I stripped the ends of those wires I grabbed, and when I say I was standing on the top of the ladder, six-foot ladder, I mean on the top where it says don't stand, that's where I was, okay? Because I had to get there up there, tippy-toe. And as I reached, somebody decided while I was holding both wires, they decided to put out the world's longest announcement over the PA system. Because as soon as they started doing that, now this wasn't 110 volts of electricity, it was a lower voltage, but it was enough voltage that it lit me up. So I held on to that. When they started talking, I just went, I couldn't even talk. I was just holding on. I couldn't let go. And that thing was just zapping me. And I thought, please stop talking. And it just, it got to me. And as soon as they were done, whew, I let go. I got off that ladder. Thank God I didn't fall off the ladder. I got down. I was exhausted. I was wore out. I was sweating. My fingers were tingling. And I, I, all I did was stand on the ladder and hold the wires with a lack of respect. I didn't fear the power that was there, and it got me. When God calls us to obedience, he's not trying to scare us. He's saying, I want you to understand that the all-knowing and all-powerful God of the universe wants to deposit something in your life. And when you come into his presence and say, God, what is it that you have for me? I want to fully obey. That power is transferred into your life so you can walk in that new power, understanding, anointing that God has for you. But until you respect him for who he is, until you understand what it means to fear the Lord, then you miss out on that. The Bible also tells us, number two, that we are to have a Christ-like character. He says, fear God, respect, awe. But he says, but then also have a Christ-like character. A Christ-like character. As much as we have times you know, where we're worried about our reputation, God calls us to have this character in our life. Do you remember the commercials uh, back in the 80s, 90s, Michael Jordan commercials, um, uh, or it was a phrase they would say, be like Mike. 
because um, everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. His phrase for the shoes was just do it, but everyone would say, hey, be like Mike. So whatever Michael Jordan did, you did. And, and somehow we thought that if we did what Michael Jordan did, we'd be able to accomplish the same feats, you know. But I remember as a kid, Michael Jordan ate Wheaties. I ate Wheaties, right? Because I bought into this. Well, we can understand that when it comes to advertising, but Jesus is, is here and he's saying, be Christ-like. Be an imitator of me and watch how powerful I'll move in your life. 1 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. This is Paul speaking. He says, imitate me. Paul tells us to be imitators. There's a difference, by the way, between imitating and, and, and mocking or imitating and faking it. He says, develop a genuine character. Philippians 2.5 says that we are to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. What was his attitude? Was, was Jesus obnoxious? Was he irritating? Was he arrogant? Was he selfish? No. He wasn't any of those. Well, what was he? He was giving. He was loving. He was serving. He was peaceful. He was tender-hearted, gracious, just. He was fair. The list goes on and on and on. Now, the question between these two lists is not which one uh, is, you know, should I follow? I think we know that. It, the question should be, how can I become more like him? How can I become more like Jesus Christ? See, the challenge today is to surrender our hearts to Christ, to have a healthy respect for the fear of God, to have a Christ-like character that is willing to say, God, I don't have it all figured out, but God, I want to be more like you. And when we do that, we learn to do the third thing, and that's this, to delay our gratification. When we, if we are going to fully obey God, he says, then we have to work on delaying our gratification. Remember, we live in a world, we want what we want when we want it. But think of Job in the Bible. You remember Job, all the difficulties he went through, all the losses he had? Job in the Bible lost a lot. Yet you know what God called him? A righteous man. Call him a righteous man. <clears throat> he lost his family. He lost his money. He lost his cattle, everything except three friends who doubted him and a wife who didn't believe in him. Yet not once did he turn on God. He fully obeyed. He didn't bail out and say, I deserve to be mad. Never did he say, vengeance is mine. He left that to God. I, I think of Paul in the Bible. He had to delay his gratification. Paul in the Bible, he persecuted Christians and then he became one. Think of how that had to, how, how that had to feel. Not only did he have to win favor with Christians, but he had to defend himself to his peers all the time. Yet not once did Paul say that, you know, it's not my right to cop an attitude. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he just didn't go there. Think of Mary in the Bible. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ladies, can you imagine being a young teenage girl who found herself pregnant knowing that you never have been with a man and you now have to tell everybody what's going on? Think they're going to believe you? Mother, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, pregnant at a young age, yet without having intimacy and being with a man, she had to carry the concern of others looking at her, wondering, yet she never cried out and said, life is unfair. She never once said, I better just take what I can get and get, get, get out of here, you know. She, she didn't do that. 
Jesus himself. The reason Jesus came was to show you and I the love of the Father so we could have a place in eternity. But in turn, he was beaten, he was spit upon, he was treated like a dog, and ultimately he was crucified. He was crucified for you and for me. Yet he didn't cry out, that's it, I'm finished. He cried out and said, it is finished. He delayed the gratification that he could have had. He could have called down thousands of angels. So he didn't have to take part in what he had to take part of. But he fully obeyed. He obeyed the Father. There's times when God is going to call you to do something and you're going to think it doesn't make sense. You're going to think, I don't want to do it. Every fiber of your being might fight against it, but the question will remain, are you going to fully obey God? Because that's when we experience the fullness of his blessings in our lives. You see, when we understand the difference between performance and obedience, then we begin to see it's less about us and it's more about him. Greater is he that's within you than anything else in this world. And when you know that and you lean into it, he sets you free. My challenge for you is simply this, church. I want to ask you this week, whether you do it or not, it's going to be up to you. I'm not going to follow up and call you and text you and bug you, but my challenge for you is simply this. Would you make some room in your week? Let's just sit down with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to set some goals. Where do I need to grow? What do I need to maybe let go of? And Lord, are there anything, is there anything in my life that I'm not even aware of that you're wanting to address, but I've shut you out? Will you show me those? And when the Lord does speak to you, write them down. I write them down. I love to tell you I knock it out of the park 100% of the time. I don't always. But at least I get moving in a good direction. There's times when the Lord's told me, he said, Jim, you need to really work on being a better husband. Jim, you need to work on being a better father. Jim, I love you, but I haven't seen you lately. There's times when he's spoken that to me. Now, I can get defensive. I can start giving excuses for why I'm so busy doing his work that I don't have time to do all. That's not what he's asking. He's not looking for a debate. He's looking for a deeper, closer, more intimate relationship with you. My question to you is, is will you obey? You won't know what to obey specifically, until you spend time in his presence. So I'm asking you this week to take some time. It doesn't take long. You don't have to spend a whole hour on it. Feel free to. Just take a few minutes, and when he speaks something to you, write it down. And then you'll have something to work on. And when you get to that place where things are getting better, you revisit them. You say, Lord, now what do you have to say? Will you pray with me? Father, I ask today, that as we seek you, we seek your face. Lord, we don't want to just put on a show. We want, we want a real relationship. We want a genuineness that this world cannot offer. So Jesus, as we make time and we seek your face, I, I believe right now he's already waiting to talk to each and every one of us. And so Lord, we're asking that as you do and you show us the things that we need to embrace, areas where we need to grow. You show us things that we need to let go of. And even as you show us things that we are not even aware of, Lord, help us to not only remember them, but to embrace them 
and most of all to say, Jesus, help us in this process so we can become closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen.